Good morning, everybody. Christmas is in the air, isn't it? It's amazing. I mean, there's three more days till Christmas. So men, three more shopping days. So men, we have two more days before we have to go shopping. Isn't that how it works? No, a few of you. I understand that. Well, as I look out at you, I realize that Bob Phillips was right. He said there's three stages of manhood. I believe in Santa Claus. I don't believe in Santa Claus. And I look like Santa Claus. And I think some of you are there already. Absolutely. I remember going through South Coast Plaza with my son, our son Adam. He was six years old. We had just come from overseas. We had lived in a rural area. And so I was walking with holding his hand through South Coast Plaza. And he looked over at Santa Claus and he said, Daddy, who is that? Ah, the age of innocence, right? I almost told him, haven't I ever told you the Christmas story? Um, but that's another story. Okay, all right. I think Shirley, Shirley Temple once said, I stopped believing Santa Claus was real at six years old when my mother took me to the department store and the Santa Claus wanted my autograph. And that happens. <laughs> That'll kind of blow it for you right there, right there. But Pope Julius I was the one who instigated December 25th to be the day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. He did that in 353, and he probably never knew we'd have what we have now of celebration. It was George Follin, who was a professor at Harvard, German-American, who put the first candle on the first Christmas tree in America in 1832. He had no idea how decorations would go crazy. But what has, hasn't it? So it's kind of interesting when we see the world that we live in, where we have this world of chaos, a world of a lot of stuff going on. There's some fear of safety. There's some concern about the economy. The morality is kind of turning on us. And it can, it can be untroubling. And at the same time, we have this Christmas story, a baby, a manger, Mary, Joseph, silent night, joy to the world, peace on earth. And yet we have this crazy season with the -the over-the-top festivities in a troubled world. When you put those two together, you go, what is the real meaning of Christmas? What can I take from Christmas. Now, for some, Christmas is just a story, right? Jesus doesn't even exist, or they don't believe yet that Jesus exists. But we know through history that there was a Jesus from Luke chapter 2, when Caesar Augustus took the taxation in Luke 2, 1. We know that really happened. We know from the historians early on, 100, 200 after Jesus' birth, uh, Tacitus, Pliny, Uh, Josephus, some of them didn't even like Christianity, but they wrote about this person, Jesus. So we know he did come. We know he did live on earth, but what does his story mean to us? Now, we all like a good story. We all like Star Wars, Uh, at least a victory. We like uh, when the, the, the little guy wins. We love the story behind the story of the Olympians and the Heisman Trophy winner. We, we love a good story. But in, in Luke, in the story of Jesus, what is God saying to us? So I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. 
as we talk about this story. Because some people would think story is just for kids, or it's just for good people with families. Or maybe it's for the businesses, at least the businesses based in China that sell us all these things. Maybe um, the story is for those who are less fortunate, and that's what Christmas is about. But this morning, I want to let you know, the Christmas story is for you. Not you as a church, not you as a group. The Christmas story is for you, and you, and you. It's personal. The Christmas story is an invitation. We sing, O come, all ye faithful. It's an invitation into something. It's an invitation to to know God and that God is calling people. God has a calling for you. God wants to talk to you. God calls. That's the story of Christmas. We see it early on in the Christmas story, Luke, or in Luke chapter 1, verse 11. We have a guy named Zacharias. Zacharias is a priest in the temple there in Jerusalem. And Zacharias is a priest, but this is a very odd time. You see, there's been 400 years where God has been silent. The story of the scriptures go, God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates man. Man turns his back upon God. And God is spending the scriptures, spending history, calling man back to himself. So he uses the children of Israel to be a nation, to be a light to the world. It doesn't work real well. God calls the kings. He calls the prophets to call people back to himself. And Malachi is the last prophet we read of in the Old Testament. And then there's 400 years of silence where God does not talk. He does not call. He does not visit. The children of Israel know there is a Messiah coming. It was promised, but 400 years is a long time. God has not spoken. It's quiet. Until Luke chapter 1, verse 11. Zacharias is in the temple. And it says, An angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. It's been 400 years. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You'll give him the name John, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Zacharias got a call from God. God said, Zacharias, I want you to be a father of John. Even in your old age, past times of giving birth, I want you to be a father of of John. This is John the Baptist who's going to be the one that stands up and says, prepare the way of the Lord as Jesus comes. He's going to be the one who's going to baptize Jesus. Zacharias got a call. Then in Matthew chapter 1, you don't need to turn there, Joseph gets a call. Joseph, a carpenter, an angel comes to him and says, Joseph, I want you to take Mary to be your wife, and you're going to have a son, and his name is going to be Jesus. Joseph got a call. To be a dad of Jesus, God in the flesh. And then in Luke 1, verse 26, Mary gets a call. Let me read this because this is the Christmas story. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel sent from God to the city in 
Galilee called Nazareth. To a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, the angel said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Here's three callings after 400 years of silence. But she was very perplexed at this statement. She kept pondering, what kind of salutation was this? The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Here's this Messiah we're waiting for. And angels talking to Mary in a room, a young girl. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason, the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has conceived. That's Zacharias' wife in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So here we see God calling Zacharias. He's calling Joseph. He's calling Mary. And then in chapter 2, verse 8, God keeps calling. It's the shepherds. These guys of low degree, out in the fields, in the same region, there were shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Remember, you also, as a kid, I used to always say when what shepherds wash their socks by night. That's what I thought it said. But it watched their flocks by night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly affrighted. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Today in the city of David, there has been for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And the shepherds got a call to go see the Christ child, the first visitors. Christmas was God's call to people. But you may say, oh, that's special people, right? God only comes to earth once. So Zacharias was special. Joseph was special. Mary was very special. The shepherds were special. God doesn't call ordinary people. He does. You can go from the very beginning. Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve are in the garden. They've sinned. They've turned their back to God, the lover of their souls, the creator, the one who wants the best for them. They've said, no, thank you, in rebellion. How dumb, but we do that. And in Genesis chapter 3, God comes into the garden. And God says this, Adam, where are you? God starts calling out. For his people. And that's just not Adam. A few years later, as the people continued on in rebellion, God called a man named Noah. Noah, build a boat. It's never rained, but build a boat. Noah probably had to think long and hard, probably had to convince his wife, I need a boat. I've been trying to convince my wife I need a boat for a long time, but anyway, <laughs> Noah was a lot better. Yes, absolutely. Noah built this boat. He got a call. Then you have Abraham. 
God's seeing the people continue in their sin. And so God says, I'm going to pull together a nation. I'm going to make a nation that will love me and worship me, and people around the world will see and worship me. So God called Abraham, who was in Ur of the Chaldees, which is around Babylon now, which is in Iraq. God called him and said, Abraham, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your people. I want you to go and travel all the way to what we know is now Israel, the promised land. And I'm going to give you a name. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you a nation. And Abraham probably had to think about that a while. Probably had to talk to his wife. Said, we're going on a long trip. We're going on a walk. Maybe that's what he said. Let's take a walk. Lasted the rest of their lives. God called Abraham. Then the children of Israel, they settle in the land. They get taken in captivity in Egypt because, of course, they're still rebelling against God. God delivers them from Egypt, and he calls Moses to deliver them. And Moses gets the call. He was raised in Egypt. He was trained by Egyptians. He killed an Egyptian man and so had to flee. And he was a shepherd for 40 years. And out there in the fields, this bush combusted in front of him. It caught fire. And it was God who said, Moses, Moses, let my people go. (laughs) I want you to go deliver my people. And Moses' response was, who am I? Who am I to do that? And God didn't say, Moses, you're trained in the best courts. Moses, you're a good guy. When Moses said, who am I? God said, I am with you. That's all you need to know. I am with you. I'll be with you. God called Moses. And then when they got back in the land of Israel, God called judges to to rule over them and to help them. That one time they were taken over by the Midianites and the Midianites came in and were stealing crops and stealing the livestock of the Israelites. So many of them had hid up in the caves and there was one man who was in a cave, Gideon. He was thrashing wheat in a cave because he was scared of the Midianites. He wanted to keep his wheat and an angel appears to him. An angel calls him and says, Gideon, Oh, thou mighty man of valor. While he's threshing wheat in a cave hiding. A little ironic. God called Gideon. God gave him the strength to lead his people out from bondage from the Midianites. Then after the period of the judges, you had the kings because the people still rebelled against God. God called a young shepherd boy, David, and said, I'm going to take you from tending sheep to leading my people. So David shepherded The people with a gentle hand, it said. God called David. God called Solomon, his son. Said, Solomon, you're in construction. I want you to build a temple. And Solomon rose to the occasion and built the temple. But the kings turned their backs on God, so God took the people again in captivity and raised up prophets. These were men and women who would stand up and say, hey, repent. The Messiah's coming. Come back to God. God's way is best. And God raised up these prophets. He called them. God appeared to Jeremiah as a young boy and said, Jeremiah, I want you to be my prophet, you to speak my words to your people, and I'm going to give you two promises. The first promise is, I will always be with you. The second promise is, no one's going to listen to you. (laughs) 
That's why we don't read the book of Jeremiah. No one listened to Jeremiah. He was, woe is me. He was beaten. He was thrown in a well. No one listened to him. God was true to his promises. But God called them up. Amos was one of the later prophets. All we know about Amos, he was the son of a fig picker. Got to watch how he say that. But that was Amos. Just, that's who he was. Not anyone special. God called him. God throughout history is calling people to himself and to tasks. And then 400 years of silence and God calls Zacharias, Joseph, Mary. But then he keeps calling. Jesus says to Peter, come, follow me. Jesus looks up in the tree to Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. After Jesus died and gave his life for the sins of all, the Holy Spirit came and started to work within the church. And you have guys like Paul who was persecuting, killing Christians. And God called him on the road to Damascus and said, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? Paul said, who are you? I said, I am the Lord. Paul's life completely changed. He got a call. If you read the book of Acts, a centurion got a call. A Philippian jailer got a call. Lydia, who made fabrics and who was a disciple of Jesus, she got a call. Woman at the well was called. God has called people throughout history, not just at Christmas, but throughout history, calling people to himself. What has God called you to do? I'm not special. I don't have a big thing going. Ah, God calls all. We look through church history as the disciples went into the world and started sharing their faith. God had called them. They were killed for their faith. Others went out. Monks went out, started missions, started churches, sending the good news around. In modern times, there was William Carey who went to India, Hudson Taylor. through He went to China and took many with him. I Naram Judson went to Burma. Most churches in Burma put their roots at him, this guy who went at great sacrifice. The student volunteer movement went out of the U.S. and went out of England into the ends of the earth. That was tens of thousands of students who decide we are going to go take the good news. We are called to the ends of the earth. And many of them packed their belongings in coffins because 80% of them would die within a couple years of going. God continues to call people. I remember reading about two Moravian boys. Moravia was a part of Europe, and there was a movement in Moravia. It's called the Moravian Movement. Count Zinnendorf was the leader of that, of many giving pietistic movement, giving their life to Christ, going and sharing their faith with others. And these two Moravian boys, they went down to the docks in London and sold themselves into slavery so that they could go to Jamaica and share the good news with the slaves. They didn't sell themselves into slavery to get passage. They sold themselves into slavery, and it was for life because they had this calling. God has continued to call people. He continues to call. We've got a new year coming up. What's God calling you to do? Romans 8.28 says this. If we bring it up. It says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good. To who? To those who love God. To those who are called according to his purposes. God 
is calling. There's a verse in 2 Timothy 1.9, and it talks about God has saved us and called us with a holy calling. God is a God who calls. First, it says he saves us. We're part of that rescue operation from the beginning of time. All of us are born in sin. We know we don't do everything right. God says we're scarred. Our spiritual nature is full of sin. We can't have a relationship with him. We can't have assurance of going to heaven when we die, to living with him. So he sent Christ, the son, to die so that he paid the debt for my sin. He paid the debt for your sin. So if we believe in Jesus, if we accept his gift, it says he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He makes us pure. He does a spiritual nature within us. It's a new nature. We have hope that when we die, we will be in heaven. We have hope that while we're on earth, that he walks with us. His spirit indwells us. He helps us go through the shadow of the valley of death and all the stuff we have to go through in this earth. That's what it is to be saved, to hear the calling of God and say, yes, God, I want to follow you. I want your gift in Jesus Christ. But he not only saves us, he calls us. He gives us a calling. And his calling is to love him and to love others, the great commandment. And so we have opportunities to love him and love others in our sphere. I had a friend named John. I still have a friend named John. A few years ago, John's wife passed away through a bad disease. And it put John right at the edge. He told me of a story of him standing on a bridge in Long Beach Harbor one dark, rainy night. But he remembered God's call on his life, committed himself to God, and God brought another beautiful woman, Shinta, into his life. And he and Shinta have been living well, following, obeying God. But two years ago, Shinta's kidneys began to fail, went on dialysis, needed a transplant. And in their small group, they put it out as a prayer request. We, we need, we need a, a, a transplant. And someone, Tyler and Heather, who had just been in that group for just a couple times, heard that and went home and Heather said, Ty, why don't we get tested? They got tested. Heather was a match and gave her kidney. This was a group in our church, a couple that just last year chose to hear God's calling and say yes. Would you like to meet him? Ty, Heather, John, Cinta, are you guys there? Come on out. There we go. It's a true story, isn't it? Cinta, it's been a year. How are you doing? struggling with dialysis and I had a rough start with it and just a year later I was already on recovering from a very successful Mm -hmm. transplant Mm -hmm. so I'm just absolutely grateful to my sister here she's an extraordinary Mm -hmm. beautiful person it's Mm -hmm. truly a gift of life Mm -hmm. and John what has this meant to you and your family well to summarize this in few words it means life it means 
health in the future. It's mm, awesome. Heather, what motivated you to hear this and go, oh, I'll give one of my kidneys. <laughs> you have four kids, three small ones. Once we were made aware of the need, um, it was easy. We're all family, and she's my sister, and she's dying. Mm. So for us, it was an act of obedience. Mm. Ty, when she came home and said, hey, let's do this, what, what, is, uh, what were you thinking? Well, we had heard a sermon years ago uh, mm. that Dale gave here about servant leadership and about meeting the need in front of you. And so for us, it was mm. um, a, a natural step of obedience, and we mm. just began to pray prayers of willingness and availability, and that, mm. uh, Lord, if this is your will for us, you'll mm. make this happen, yeah. and we'll give all the glory to you. Yeah. So, John, what, is your future, what does your future look like? Um, our hearts are, uh, felt like God is calling us to go back to Indonesia, and he opened up ways for us to um, build worshiping community center and also low-income senior housing. Yeah. Ty, you guys are on a journey too, you and your wife. Yeah, we've been serving here for a number of years, um, but had felt God calling us to cross-cultural service. And um, we're in the missionaries and training group with John and Cinta, and mm -hmm. we're planning to uh, leave for Mozambique Island, Mozambique, at the end of next year, the beginning of 2017. Yeah. Wow, it's a big step to hear God's call. Thank you guys so much. Absolutely. I asked them to be out there on the plaza if you'd like to talk to them and just give them a hug or you connected with them in some way. Ty and Heather are going to be heading to Mozambique, so they're asking people, inviting people to be partners with them in praying and giving to their ministry so they can go to this island and um, share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. So they'd love to hear and meet you out there. So God's calling. Now, that's kind of extreme. I'm not asking for kidneys today. <laughs> God calls each one of us to do something unique. For some of us, it's just, just our neighborhood. We're, we're, we're to be a light. We live in a neighborhood with six homes on one driveway, and we're getting to know them, folks of all faiths. As we got to know them a few weeks ago, one of the guys came over, married, and he, early in the morning, and he said, Dan, he said, I remember, you're a pastor, aren't you? I said, yeah. He says, can you come pray for my dog? He just died. And I thought, in seminary, was there a prayer for a dog? <laughs> absolutely, are you kidding? Ran with him into the house, prayed for this big golden lab, um, prayed for his family, for his marriage, for his future, helped take the dog in the car, you know, to be uh, taken care of. But some of us are just lights in our communities. That's huge. That's God's call. Some of us reach beyond and are involved in tutoring or in Valencia Park or working with the homeless or, or in fostering and adopting. Talk about a life changer. That's a, you got to hear from God clearly to know I'm going to do that. But God calls. God calls. As a church, God calls us as well. As a church, we have 75 missionaries who have gone out from our church in our different parts of the world. We have four target areas in Rwanda, Morocco, Southeast Asia, and Ukraine. We have teams that go out every year.
But we've been praying several years now for God, is there something that you're calling us as a church to do? Is there something we could do together? And together with the leadership of the church and the missions leader of the church, we said, yes, this is the year. This is the year we are going to love Europe. We did this before the bombings in Paris. When Paris turned from a tourist destination to now a place that really needs light and encouragement. We said, what if we as a church decide to do one region of the world? We, we, we tithe our church. 10% of us go next year on 20 teams, doing all kinds of things. So there's one team that's going to be on the shore of Lesbos. That's where they're pulling refugees out of boats. Some in the refugee center a little further away. Some teams talking with students who want to talk to an English speaker but are hungry for Jesus Christ. From Wales to Ukraine to Poland, we've got 20 teams that were saying, yes, we feel God's calling us as a church. Not just to go on trips, but we're calling people into a discipleship journey to form communities, to go serve sacrificially, and to return to live intentionally. We're hearing God's call. You think we can do it? It's going to take people going. It's going to take people sending. It's going to be take people giving. But now more than ever, we feel God calling us to reach out. We have partners, missionaries in Europe. I was there in Berlin eight weeks ago, and that's an interesting city that 12, 25 years ago, it was a divided city with a wall. I was one of the oldest people I saw in Berlin while I was there. I'm not that old. It's a young city. They say it's a city that has forgotten that they've forgotten God. It's not that they're mad at God. It's not that they're mad about the Ten Commandments. God's irrelevant. They don't even think about Him. It's been so many generations. They need hope. They need the good news of Jesus Christ. And we have an opportunity now more than ever to hear God's call as a church. Well, the Christmas story is about God's call. And I want you to have an opportunity to hear God's call, whether it's to come to faith in Jesus Christ or to do something that he's asking you to do this season or next year. Will you pray with me? Father, when we open your word, you always speak to us. So I ask that even this morning you would have spoken to our hearts. This morning, if you'd like to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, ask him to be the one that forgives your sins, that pays your debt of sin, you can do that. Say, yes, Jesus, come into my life. We'd love to pray for you on the right in the prayer and believe room. But I want to ask all of us to be open to God's voice, whatever it is. Can you make that decision? Can you say, yes, God, whatever you want me to do this year, I want to hear you. As Joseph and Zacharias and Mary and the shepherds heard, I want to hear you. So I'm going to ask you to stand if you want to pray that prayer. God, call. If you call me this year, I'm willing to go. God, if you call me, I'll do whatever you say. Just stand right where you are. Yes, God, 
I don't know what it is. It may be big. It may be small. But God, I want to say yes. I want to be on this line of history from Adam and Moses and Abraham all the way to those that brought us the gospel. I want to say yes to you. What's your call for my life? Can I pray for you? Father, I pray for those that have called. I pray that they would have courage to hear you. I pray that they would have perseverance, ears to hear, a heart that's open to say yes. Now, will you all stand with me as we close the service? Thank you, Lord, for meeting with us. Thank you for this Christmas season that we can worship you and we can love you and we can have fun in these songs and in the joy of seeing children happy with gifts. You're a good God that gives us gifts, and we thank you in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen, amen.